You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Today we're concluding our series entitled, Don't Take My Word For It. In this three-part series, we've been tackling some tough questions as we examine the foundations of our faith. At the conclusion of today's message, be sure to stick around to learn more about North and how you can be a part of all that God is doing right here in Marietta. But for now, here's part three of Don't Take My Word For It. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Good to see you. Welcome to the last part of our series on Don't Take My Word For It. We've been looking at the evidence that we know that what we believe is true. We've looked at the resurrection of Jesus. We've looked at how do we know that Christianity is the best and the only option to get to God among all of the millions of religions in the world. And today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. And we've looked at the resurrection being the way, that Christianity is the truth, and today we're going to talk about the life that God offers us through the power of the Holy Spirit. On the night that Jesus is celebrating Passover meal, and he is beginning to formulate what we know as communion, spending some time with his disciples the night before he is going to be crucified. The Bible tells us in the same moment that he says he's the way, the truth, and the life, that he speaks these words to his disciples in John 14, verses 16 through 17. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the moment and the opportunity to be able to worship you today. I pray that you would anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth, but you would also anoint each and every one of us to hear it and receive it so that you can accomplish your will. Lord, at the end of this day, I pray that we would be filled with your power and with your spirit. And I pray that as that happens, Lord, the lives of destiny and purpose that you have given to us would spring forth and also come to full fruition in the name of Jesus. And by faith, we go ahead and give you praise for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Listen, a lot of times we want to get started and get to be successful, right? We want to know the skills. We want to know how to do it. And there's a lot of ways that people can teach you things. But if someone were to teach you something and say, I want to teach you about financial responsibility. I want to teach you about financial wealth building so that when you are old and when you retire, you will literally have the ability to retire wealthy. But even greater than that is if someone says, I'm going to teach you that, but I'm also going to give you something to help you get started with that. And they were to give you $10 million after teaching you all of those things. So let me ask you a question. If, if I, I'm not making that offer, I'm not Oprah. You know, you, you get 10 million, you get 10 million. That's not it. But if I stood up here and I said, I'm going to give to everybody who wants it $10 million. Who wants it? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Those of you who don't, you're over there going, what strings attached, buddy? <laughs> You're a little bit pessimistic right now. Almost anybody would say, yeah, you, you want to get me started and give me $10 million? I'll take that. If it's going to make me successful, if I can do that, then give me that. If you're going to tell me how to do something and you're going to give me the ability to do that and you're going to give me what I need to make it happen, yeah, I'll take that. What Jesus is telling his disciples on the night before he is going to be crucified he tells them already that he's going to be crucified. 
He tells them already that he's going to rise from the dead. He tells them already that he's going to go away and prepare a place for them, heaven, and he's going to be gone from them for quite some time. And they are despondent in that moment. What he said is this, if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit won't come. It is better for me to go away and the Holy Spirit come so that you can do the things that I have done and even greater things than I have done. Now, that's a, that's a far stretch for me to imagine. But he says, the same power that empowered me while I was on this earth, the same power that raised him from the dead is the same power that he offers to us to live in us and empower each of us. So here's the question. If I were to offer you $10 million and you said, no, I don't think I want it, everybody would look at you and say, why in the world wouldn't you want that? If it's no strings attached. Jesus offers us the Holy Spirit to help us live lives of fullness and grace and power and holiness and purpose. Why would anyone not want that? Which begs the question, why aren't more people living a spirit-filled life? I think there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I think it's because they don't know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an add-on to your Christian faith. It's not, hey, here's salvation, and if you want a little extra, here's the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit. You were created by the Lord, and you were created for all of the relationship that God has for you in the Lord, and that includes the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on people at certain times, certain places for certain reasons. So the Holy Spirit would come on someone and maybe it was to lead a group into battle and defend a a city or a nation. Or the Holy Spirit would come upon someone at a certain time and they would empower them to speak over something or they would empower them to lead something. But it was only for a certain time. It was only for certain people. It was only for certain reasons. And then in the New Testament, Jesus, after he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him to you. 50 days after Jesus rises from the dead and ascends, in, uh, 50 days after he rises from the dead, 10 days after he ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the believers. And at that moment, they become empowered to do the work that Christ has given them to do. But so many people don't know about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul actually encountered a group of people who were believers, believed in Jesus, but they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 3, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several, what what does that say? Believers. They believe in Jesus. They believe as the Lord. This is not not argumentative. They, They believe. This is what Paul asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. The baptism of John is John the Baptist. is a baptism of repentance where that they repented of their sins and recognized Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the Bible tells us that Paul says, no, no, no. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And after he told them about the Holy Spirit, they said, is that something that we need? 
He said, absolutely. And they said, well, we want that. And so the Bible says he laid their hands on them, prayed for them, and they received the infilling of the Holy Spirit at that moment. They didn't know about it. And we live in a day and age where some people just don't know about it. They may have heard about the Holy Spirit. It may be some mystical, esoteric thing that they know nothing about, and they just recognize it and acknowledge it. But the fact is, there are some people that grow up in this nation, in this world, even in some churches that don't know about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because in some places, they don't even know the Bible. I was literally flabbergasted one Sunday when I was pastoring in Birmingham. And a couple came up and they made a decision to follow Christ that day. I met them afterwards in the lobby. And they had gone to the Welcome Center and they'd gotten a Bible. And when they got the Bible, they came over and they met me. And I said, oh, good, you've got a Bible. That's great. And um, as they, I said, what's your background? And they said, well, we grew up. It was, it was a mainline uh, church, mainline denomination. They said, we grew up over there, but, you know, really ne- never really made a decision to follow Jesus. And I said, well, that's great. I'm glad you got a Bible. I encourage you to get involved in the Bible, get, get plugged in there. And the, the, the wife of the couple said, um, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. She said, tell me about the Bible. I said, um, what, what do you want to know? And she said, tell me about it. I got a Bible here. What, what, do we, what do we do with it? I said, well, this is the word of God. And she said, okay, what do I do with it? And I said, well, tell me your background again. <laughs> grown up, mainline denomination, grown up in church all her life. Listen, when I got into it, she didn't even know the Bible was divided into two sections, in the Old Testament and New Testament. When, so when I said, I suggest you start in the New Testament with the Gospels, her eyes were glazed over. She had no idea what I was talking about. So then I just said, okay, let's start with, well, let's start with how you how you function, how you read, all those things. Let's start in the Gospels. And I showed them how to separate the Old Testament, New Testament. And, when, and I just said, okay, so for you, um, tell me, for both husband and wife, I said, are you more chronological? Do you like to view things and uh, read things in order? Or do you like thematic? And so he was chronological, she was thematic. And I said, okay, for you, I want you, chronolo- Mr. Chronology, to start in Matthew and just read all of Matthew. For you, Miss Thematic, what I want for you is I want you to start in John and read John. And when you finish, you'll switch. What was unbelievable to me is someone sat in church seats for most of their lives and they didn't even have basic knowledge of Scripture. One of the reasons why people are living a spiritless life is because they don't even know that it's available because they don't know the Word of God. The word of God is not some decorative piece that sits on a mantle in your house. It is something that is to be ingested and read and lived and breathed in your life. But we also live in a post-Christian society. And what I mean by that is this. Things actually haven't changed as much as we think on a basic level. George Barna is the leading researcher for um, uh, religious studies. And dozens of years ago, he did a study. And in that study, he found that 25% of Americans were born-again believers. What I mean, that he had 10 statements. Nothing that separates denominations, just 10 basic statements. I believe there's a God. I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he came to this earth. He died for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe that he's preparing place for me. Basic things. Nothing of theological differences there. 
And based on that, 25% of Americans believed those 10 things and they were born again. 25% of Americans did not believe most of those things and they were considered agnostic or atheist. 50% in the middle believed a few of those but chose not to believe others. And what they determined were they were cultural or casual Christians, which means if everything is flowing in the right direction, I'm with them. But as soon as it starts heading the other way, I'm going to decide on the other side of things. And so years ago, it felt like we were living in a complete Christian nation because the middle ground, the cultural Christians, they decided this is flowing in this direction toward Christianity, so we'll go where the popular crowd's going. But with the recent advent of culture change and media change and intentionality of moving things in a post-Christian direction, the middle 50% has moved over, and now it feels like everything's different. Barna did the study recently. It's still 25, 25, and 50. It's just the 50 have moved from here to there. That's why it feels like everything is different right now, because we live in a post-Christian society, which means now there isn't cultural or societal pressure to conform to Christian values, there is cultural and societal pressures to conform away from Christian values now. And now you have to literally stand on the word of God and believe. But if you don't know the word, how can you know that you're living a spiritless life? They don't know the word. So they don't know the Holy Spirit. The second reason people are not living a spirit-filled life is because they don't want the Holy Spirit. They just don't want the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, you've got to give up control of your life. If he's leading you, you're not. Here's what the Bible says. There was a man named Stephen, and he was, he was considered to be the first martyr, which means the first person to give his life. But before they took his life and executed him, he was preaching to the Jewish people, and they were telling him he needed to deny Christ. And this is what he said to them in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. He says, you stubborn people, You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. He said, the truth is standing here in front of you, but the truth is going to require you to yield your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, but you continually resist the Holy Spirit because you don't want to give up control of your life. Most people resist the Holy Spirit and they don't want him because they have a wrong view of God. And they're afraid of God for the wrong reasons. Some people have this visual of God being up in heaven just waiting for you to mess up so he can just zap you. Why would he send his son to give his life for us if that is his goal? I, am, I have been blessed all of my life to have a dad who reminds me of the love and the grace that the Heavenly Father shows to us. Um, The Bible says Jesus came in grace and truth. My dad was a guy that was filled with grace and truth in equal proportions. So, I mean, he he was loving enough to discipline me when I needed discipline and keep me on the right path. But he was also gracious enough in the moments of my biggest failures to not come down on me and show me grace in those moments. Now, you need to know something. He was very much a disciplinarian. He was very much a person that said, there are some things that you're going to do, and the reason you're going to do them is because you need to learn these things. So he did it for me. I passed these on to my children. They may not like it. I didn't like it. It's okay. 
They're grown now. They're in therapy. It's fine. <laughs> You're going to have to pay for your own therapy. How about that? But my dad said this to me. He said, listen, you're going to have respect for authority. And he said, and the reason why you're going to have the respect for authority is because authority flows all the way down, and authority is a God-ordained condition. And so this was his, this was the way he told me. It's the way I told my kids. He said, I want you to learn. And you can ask me why on anything I tell you or ask you to do but you cannot ask me why until after you do it. He said, you do what I ask you to do and tell you to do, then ask me why. But you don't get to ask me why beforehand. This is not a bargaining. This is an authority thing. Every time I did, he would explain exactly what he did. He was a disciplinarian when it came to certain things. You did not show disrespect to him. You did not talk back to my mom. Like, ever. You, you know how people say to kids, I'm going to count to three? I'm going to give you to the count of three? If he got to one, I was a dead man. <laughs> Just telling you. My dad, my dad had a code when we were in public. So my dad, you know the scripture, spare the rod, spoil the child? I was not spoiled, Okay. <laughs> My dad named his belt chocolate candy. So when we were out in public, he would look at me and just say, hey, buddy, you want some chocolate candy? And I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. That's why I eat my weight in chocolate now. I own my own belt, you know. Very much a disciplinarian. But he was also a man filled with grace in the moments of my biggest failures. When I thought, when I thought, oh, this is it. This is the one that's going to push it over the edge. That's when he showed grace. I don't have time to tell you the story today. Some of you have heard it, but just listen to me. On a Saturday afternoon of the church that I, my dad pastored, when I drove his car through the sidewall of the sanctuary and the car was sitting in the sanctuary. I thought I was a dead man. That was the moment my dad showed me more grace than ever. As a matter of fact, I was devastated, went out to the house, which was on site, the parsonage. My dad came out to me, showed me grace. To make matters worse, the whole church was there for an event. Just keeps getting better. <laughs> he had already had discussions with everybody out there. Mass discussions. Kirk's coming back out here. Nobody's going to say a word about this. Grace. When my dad had to pick me up in a small coastal town where he was pastoring and his reputation was on the line, when my dad had to pick me up from the police station for something that's none of your business... <laughs> He showed me grace. When I went to my dad and told him I was failing out of college because of my party lifestyle, but I had just surrendered my heart to Jesus and I needed help getting my life back together, not one word was mentioned about grades. 
just grace. Listen to me. That may not be your experience. That may not be your dad. But don't be afraid of God just because you didn't have a great example on this earth. That's what religion is. That's what all the other religions are. A fear that if I mess up, that God's going to destroy me. And I've got to keep these rules and regulations so that my good outweighs my bad. That is not grace. That is not Christianity. Those religions, those religions say, I have messed up. My dad's going to kill me. Christianity says, I have royally messed up. I got to call my dad. What you need to know about your heavenly father is this. You don't have to fear him, but you must revere him. I've never feared my earthly father one day in my life, but I have always revered him. The reason why you shouldn't resist the Holy Spirit is because all he does is draw you to a loving father who has done everything he possibly can to restore a relationship with you that was broken because of sin. He literally bankrupted heaven to send his son to this earth to pay the price for your sins, to, to go to a grave that was meant for you, to rise to new life so you could have new life again, to give you a future and a hope that you do not deserve and an eternity with him forever. Don't resist the Holy Spirit who is continually con convicting you and convincing you and drawing you back to a father who desperately wants a relationship with you. In saying that, for some of you, I just want to give you four very, very quick things on why you should desire a spirit-filled life and what that means. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit helps me. He helps me. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a counselor, as one who prays for us when we don't even have the words to pray. The Bible says that even when we hurt so bad that all we can do is groan, the Holy Spirit will pray to the Father on our behalf who will send the help that we need. The Holy Spirit will give us strength when we don't know how to make it. The Holy Spirit will help me. The Holy Spirit, secondly, leads me. He leads me. In verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak his own words, but he will speak only what he hears and will tell you what will happen in the future. How does he lead me? He leads me by guiding me and giving me direction through, first of all, the Bible talked about this. If you need a Bible, get one. We've got one for you. But take the Bible and read it. The Bible tells us that he will bring to our remembrance the things that he has said, the truths that we need to know. Does, not going to superimpose those. He's going to bring it to our remembrance. And here's the thing. You don't have to necessarily memorize it. You don't have to have photographic memory. You don't have to even have a really good memory. The Bible says that if you will do your part and read it, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance when you need it. And you don't have to have this big litany of scriptures that you have memorized when the Holy Spirit can bring that to your remembrance. He can do it through a message. He can do it through a song, through worship. I can tell you something. Every single Sunday as I stand out in the lobbies, I can preach on a certain subject and I can preach a certain truth. 
But there are so many different applications that are being applied to your lives because you're going through something somebody else isn't. I'm telling you, 10, 15 times, somebody will come up and tell me something different that God spoke to them through a message. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not even sure I said anything close to that. (laughs) But that's okay. The Holy Spirit is revealing something to them in that moment. God can speak to you in those moments. There's a song. Listen, I stand over here and I worship, and I know what I'm going to preach, and I know what the day is going to be about, but we can sing a song sometime, and there's something completely different that I'm personally going through, and that song speaks to me and ministers to me in that moment, and God gives me hope, guidance, and direction for that moment. There is a person, there are people that God uses through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, words of wisdom and words of knowledge that they will come and they will speak into your life and they know nothing about your circumstances, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is enabling you and giving you direction in your life. And there is a still small voice that speaks, that tells you so many times, this is the way, this is not the way, this is right, this is not right. The only thing I ever want to caution you on is on word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and still small voices. You make sure they line up with the word of God because God will never contradict himself. And God is not the author of confusion. The Holy Spirit, he'll help me, he'll lead me. The Holy Spirit changes me. Verse 8 says, And when he has come, he will convince the world of its sin and of the availability of God's goodness and of deliverance from judgment. Holiness, Pastor Brett described earlier, is God is altogether different, which means God expects something altogether different from us. Leighton Ford says it like this, God loves you just the way you are. He just loves you too much to let you stay that way. It's a process called sanctification, setting apart, where God is continually emptying us of ourselves and renewing us and filling us with himself. The fourth thing is the Holy Spirit enables me. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The word power is from the same Greek word that we get the word dynamite. Controlled power. Notice what it says. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. There is a purpose for the power. And the power and the purpose is for us to be his witnesses. Unbelievable power for an unbelievable purpose. When God changes your life, he does it so that he can fulfill a purpose in your life that is far beyond anything you can ever imagine and one that will far outlast you. I don't know what your background was. I don't know if you grew up in a church and that church never talked about the Holy Spirit and so you have no idea. And this is all new information. That's okay. I don't know if you grew up in a church like I did, a church and a denomination that's spirit-filled. And one of the reasons why that I had trouble before I finally yielded and allowed myself to be filled with the Spirit is because I just saw so many things that I worried about that weren't of God. Excesses. And I just didn't want anything that wasn't real. 
I accepted Christ in college when I was 21 years old, never turned back. But it was three years before I was filled with the Spirit. And the reason for that is I just was afraid to take a step that felt like it wouldn't be authentic. I, if I wanted anything, I just wanted the real, authentic move of God in my life and nothing more. But the day I yielded, and I just said something simple to the Lord, all I want's the real. All I want is the true. And whatever you have, though, I want it all. Don't let anything be fake. God filled me with the Spirit. Changed my life from this day, that day forward. One series of events after the other propelled me into my destiny, my purpose, and I stand here today in that. Now listen to me. I don't want you to get afraid. I don't want you to say, well, if I get filled with the Spirit, I don't want to go pastor a church. That's not it. <laughs> what he's going to do is bring more purpose and meaning in your life than you can ever imagine. To the businessman and businesswoman, he's still going to enable you to make a lot of money, but he's going to allow you to invest in kingdom work that's going to outlast you. To the teacher out there, He's going to make you a better teacher, but not just a teacher. You're going to mentor people and show them the way to Jesus along the way. To the mom and the dad out there, he's going to allow you to make a kingdom difference in your children that's far going to outlast any scholarship or any travel ball trophy. What he's going to do is help you teach your kid that they're a son or a daughter of the king that has a higher purpose than what this world has set for them. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. And this morning, in a few minutes, when you pray and ask God to either fill you with the Holy Spirit for the first time, or maybe it's a fresh and filling, something that has lain dormant for so long, and you're ready to move back into the power of the Spirit, I believe God's going to do it today because of your faith. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in this room right now, one of the greatest things the Holy Spirit ever does is convince and draw you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you in this room, right now, you know when things aren't right when you came in this place. And you need to yield your heart to Jesus right now. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer profession with me, but I'm going to ask you to mean it in your heart right now and yield your life to Jesus. Would everyone just say this with me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that's you, you say, that's me. I made a surrender today for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not here to embarrass you. No one's going to be looking around except me and the ministry team. And what I want you to do is I want you to just say, I want you to pray for me this week, Pastor. If that's you, you've surrendered your heart to Jesus today, first time or the first time in a long time, will you just raise your hand really high and say, pray for me today? God bless you. You're not alone. No, you're not. Amen. Keep them up just a moment, please. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Yep. Thank you. Yep. You're not alone. God bless you. Amen. All right. You can put them down. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for changed, redeemed lives and for hope that has been restored. I pray that the weight of sin be lifted off of shame and regret be lifted off of their shoulders and the joy of the Lord invade their souls now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, in these next few moments, as we worship, as we believe, as we ask you for the real, authentic infilling of the Holy Spirit, Lord, 
pour your spirit out on your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, I ask you to stand with me, please. In these next few moments, I want you to prepare your hearts through worship, and I'm going to come back up and lead us in a prayer. And I believe God is going to fill some of you with the Holy Spirit in a way that he's never done before, and it's going to change your life in Jesus' name. Let's do that now. disciples he told them he said that the spirit of truth he said you know him now and later he will be in you what I believe is some of you are going to move from now to the later you know him but he's not in you fully and today is that opportunity I want you to just raise your hands to heaven right now and I want you in the name of Jesus right now just to say these words and repeat it with me. Holy Spirit, I need you. I recognize I'm incomplete without you. So I surrender. 
All I want is the real. I just want the authentic. But I want you to fill me completely. In Jesus' name. Empty me of me. Sanctify me. Now fill me with your spirit. Now, I just want you to lift your hands to him, and I want you to give him thanks and praise with your mouth for filling you with the Holy Spirit. And let God begin to fill you right now. Come on, speak your praise to him right now. Speak your praise to him right now. Speak it to him in the name of Jesus. Tell him why he's worthy. Tell him why he's good. Tell him why he's wonderful. Speak your praise to him right now. Let the Spirit move in your heart right now as you speak your praise to him right now. As we continue to worship, I want you to just continue to praise Him. I want you to sing songs of praise to Him right now, in faith, believing that the Holy Spirit is filling your life right now in Jesus' name.
fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, holy, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit Father, we thank you today for what you are doing in our lives, and we thank you for what you are going to do in our lives. God, we thank you right now for the gifts of the Spirit that are about to open up in some of our lives. We thank you for those gifts that have been undiscovered and untapped to now come to the forefront of our lives and be utilized for your purpose. We thank you right now that some in this place have gifts that have lain dormant for so long, but now they are moving back into a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. Let those things burst forth again, oh God, in the name of Jesus. I pray for people this day that they, when they leave this place, maybe right now or maybe it's in the next few days, that as they lean into you and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they discover more of you, Lord, they discover their prayer language that becomes more powerful and intercessory in nature. And God, I pray that as your people are filled with your Spirit, that we will enable us to give all of our lives completely to you, Lord, holding nothing back. There's no corner of our lives lives that belongs to us. It all belongs to you. And we give you praise for that in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. 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 Hey, come on. The Bible says that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels when someone comes to know Jesus Christ. And six people gave their hearts to Jesus today. Amen. I was backstage and I did not, Brett, um, did you recognize Heidi? My goodness, let me just tell you something right now. We have a miracle in the house. Um, I, um, a couple of months ago, um, uh, one of our uh, uh, precious members, um, one of our elder's wives, Heidi Reitzel, um, had a stroke and a brain bleed and they, just, they, they said most people don't even make it to the hospital. And um, she has a long road to go, but she is back in worship service with us today. <laughs> Heidi, we love you. We love you and we celebrate with you. Listen to me, every day you drop to your knees in prayer, I want you to say Matt and Heidi's name. We believe God is still going in the healing business, gonna still continue to help her recover as well, amen? Listen, if you're new to North, you want to take some next steps right in the atrium outside these double doors. Uh, there's a next steps area where we would love to get you some information. Also, if you've made a decision to follow Christ in the last few weeks, um, we would love to help you in your walk with Jesus. Some of our grow team members will be right down front here. Please come see them. Give us about two minutes of your time. We would love to help you in that process as well. Lord, we thank you for the way that you've been present in this place today. And we thank you for the way that you have poured out your spirit on this place. And God, we pray that your presence, your spirit, would continue to go forth with us as we leave this place today. 
Let there be not a diminishment of it. Let there be not a, a lack of it when we leave this place, but let there be a fullness in each of us when we leave this place. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Final thing today is before you, if you are leaving today, um, we are taking a trip to Israel, um, and that's in February of next year. And if you would like some information, you give me about 10, 15 minutes of your time when we get some information in your hands. As soon as we dismiss here, right across the hallway in the chapel, I'll be there within five minutes, and I'll get you out of here in about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and uh, so you're not signing up today, but if you want to get some information, would love to get that information to you in just a few moments. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparinnorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparinnorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.